Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is one of our favorite guests, Leonardo De Filippis from St. Luke Productions. Leonardo, welcome back to our program. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be with you and all your listeners down in Southern California. Now, it's been a little bit of time since the last time we had you on. And I think the last time we had you on, you and your production company were putting on a play about a priest. What was that one about? Well, we did uh, the Confessions of St. Augustine. Oh, that's right. You did that one. Campus. You did the. So that was really exciting. Yeah. And then prior to that one, you did a black priest. Oh, we did uh, Father Tolton. We did. uh, The first black priest in the history of the United States. So. That is very exciting, and, and that's still continuing throughout the country. What do you have coming up that we're... Why are you here? Why did we bring you on? What's coming up? Well, what's coming up is that we're going... Uh, we were at the Free Theater, you know, on the campus of the Christ Cathedral there. We called it the Christ Cathedral Drama Series. Yeah. We did that for four, almost four, four years, actually. And then what's happened is now we're going to go out to the people, to the parishes, so that's been really exciting because we're going to reach a lot more people and there's going to be a real investment in their own uh, ownership, so to speak, of promoting the saints in the diocese there in uh, Orange. And we'll also be going to some places on the edge of Orange, but, uh, you know, either just across the ocean, ocean side at San Luis Rey, but also up into Los Angeles, you know, like St. Uh, Peter Chanel. And so that's it's been exciting. So I'm really happy we're going to be bringing Faustina, Messenger of Divine Mercy. And uh, oh, wow. everything I see, it looks like uh, California could use a little mercy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't judge. <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm not judging, but I'm just quoting God. Yeah, I think we could use all the blessings we could get. Yeah, well, and and this is this sounds like a really good program. I'm looking at a flyer here, and it's on Sister Faustina. And Sister Faustina, of course, was very important to John Paul II. What can you tell me about this play? Who was Sister Faustina? Well, well, this play, for those who don't know who Sister Faustina is, you know, she um, lived to only 33, dies in uh, 19, I believe it's 39 or 38. Uh, She dies, you know, right before the war, uh, World War II. And so what happens is, she writes a diary because a priest asked her to do it because she started having visions of Christ in her monastery work, etc. And and she was in Poland, of course, right at the same time as Maximilian Kolbe's living and also John Paul II. They're all about 50 kilometers away from each other. So it was, uh, you know, this is pre-World War II. So she has these visions and she ends up writing the famous Diary of Divine Mercy, which was in the forbidden books for a while. But it was um, the future John Paul II that actually allowed this to, uh, to be taken off those books. And he is the cardinal that got it to be approved and then brought it. He then becomes pope. And he was the chosen one. In the diaries itself, it says the 
Pope will de- declare the Sunday after Easter Divine Mercy Sunday. And, and so God chose... It was a prophecy, but it actually was John Paul II who did it. Well, I was just going to say, and it's amazing how important Poland became. It suffered so much during the middle part of the 20th century. And right. then uh, between Maximilian Kolbe, John Paul II, and Sister Faustina, you have some of the greatest saints that we've seen in the history of our church all come out of different avenues, all from Poland. And we have been we've benefited so much from that. Sister Faustina, of course, being so very important to the spiritual formation of Karawatila, John Paul II. Yes, very much so, and so uh, so would Maximilian Kolbe. You have mm. you have the great uh, Maximilian Kolbe, who is uh, devoted to the Mother of God. You know the great Marian devotion yeah. to her. The Knights of the Immaculata, uh, doctor of the Church, I think. But then you have Faustina, who is you know, completely, here's a woman devoted to the man, you know, uh, worshiping the man, which is Jesus Christ. So uh, it's an amazing, uh, Mary appears to John, to Maximilian, uh, you know, Jesus appears to Faustina, and, uh, you know, I'm sure someone appeared to uh, John Paul II, but, you know, he was he was the great uh, pope, of course, of our of that whole era, you know, for 25 years, obviously. So it's incredible. It's called the the Holy Polish Triangle. <laughs> Which is a very, very important thing to keep in mind, that this these people all came into recognition by the Church at about the same time. John Paul II, of course, comes on later, but it's around the time that he actually becomes Pope that we begin to really appreciate what happened for some of these saints in World War II, such as Maximilian Kolbe. And it's right. around that time that Sister Faustina is being introduced to the Western world. Almost nobody really knows about her except for a few people who are familiar with Polish spirituality, and she was so controversial. So let's talk for a moment about what your play is going to cover. Uh, is this about her life? Is it about her visions? What's this about? Well, what this is about, it's based off the meditations that she wrote, and it, uh, but which also part of it is biographical. So anyway, we're going to show the thread of her story, her spirituality be introduced, and then her visions right away, especially the passion. And you'll see her life, how she battles through this whole life uh, here on what she calls the present moment uh, in, in terms of eternity. So you'll see her going through these... Um, Many visions that Jesus appears to her when she's young, all the way when she's a teenager, all the way till she dies. It's, it's an unbelievable story. But it's not just Jesus appearing to her; it's the devil too. The death's a huge wow. battle, actually. And you have Blessed Spachko, who's the the big priest in, in history for the Divine Mercy. Uh, wouldn't happen without him. You know, making her write the diary, etc., and promoting the image of Divine Mercy which a lot of your listeners may be aware of, you know, that was from Poland, but it's been popularized all over the world now uh, in paintings and statues, etc. Right. Uh, so it shows her life and all the way till she dies of tuberculosis, but inter- intertwine in this story, we put in two modern elements that are very current to today. One is a modern woman who, who goes through the things that all the people are going through in terms of today. All the teenagers are being really pressured to have sexual excess, promiscuity, and then what does that lead to? 
that leads to many things. And it can lead to pregnancy, it can lead to abortion, it can lead to suicide, it can lead to depression, all these different things. But the thing it shows is mercy. And there's a dying man in this also who it's kind of uh, based off, if you were to think of anyone out there as reader, uh, The Death of Ivan Illich by Tolstoy, oh, wow. about a man who refuses to accept his own death, his own mortality. <laughs> yeah. Everyone out there, I just want to uh, give an, a warning to all of you, you're all going to die. Well, and <laughs> if anyone ever <laughs> if anyone ever wants to read Tolstoy and not read a tome, The Death of Ivan Illich is a very small little book, and it's a it great is. moral tale. And, yes. uh, yeah, every other book that he writes seems to be 800 pages long. And yet this little thing is exactly. very, very powerful. About it, If I remember right, it's about a judge who is relatively heartless in how he, he renders judgment. And then gradually as he's dying, he comes to grips with who he is before his God. Exactly. And I think what why we chose that kind of image and storyline, not that it's totally based off of him, but the concept is, uh, is to show these two elements and how they intertwine and how God's divine mercy can intervene. Because, you know, the whole goal, we're all, uh, you know, if God, depending how long God allows us to long to live, but we all want His mercy. We all want to prepare ourselves to meet Him. And so, uh, that's what's so beautiful about, because most of us don't think once you get involved in sin or what we call grave sin, mortal sin, you know, you really break the commandments, steal, kill, adultery, and all these other things you do, you know, that there is mercy. God is merciful, uh, that he will always help you if you just uh, open the door, uh, crack the door, and he'll come in. This so is... it's, a, it's an incredible uh, witness right now, and that's why I'm excited so much to bring, you know, it's almost like we're calling this the, it's the Lenten drama series. Yeah. In, in Orange County and, and in Southern California, but it's also, uh, it might say, the mercy tour for California. Yeah, this is what I was going to, what hit me was how, what a wonderful gift that St. Luke Productions is giving to Southern California for Lent is this wonderful experience, this performance. It, it's not just a performance, it's an experience to go to a St. Luke right. production. And this is something that I think a lot of people who have not had a chance to see your um, productions I say yours, you, you, it's not just you, you have a, a, an entourage of people who are involved in this, but it's usually one main actor or actress along with a small retinue of people, and it involves and draws in the audience as part of the whole process. And right. so when you experience this performance, it's as if you're a witness to what's going on. It's not just a regular performance. And that's something that I don't know how to describe, but I think most people who have gone to see these, they come out saying that this was a way for us to witness what took place. And to have the story of Faustina for this Lent is such a a great gift. I want to thank you for making that available to all of us out here. You mentioned that it's, it's gone out to the people. Let me just read off where people can see this. These are one... Time only deals except for the San Clemente one, it looks like. So Santa Paula, which is up in the Los Angeles Archdiocese, which this broadcast covers, Santa Paula is going to be on April 3rd. That's at 7 p.m. at St. Sebastian Catholic Church. And then also in the Los Angeles Archdiocese, but towards the edge here near near Orange County, is Hawaiian Gardens at St. Peter Chanel Parish, which is a great parish. I'm very familiar with some yeah. of the people there. That's from April 4th at 7.30.
and then in San Clemente twice at Our Lady of Fatima Church, both on the 6th and on the 7th. The 6th is at 7.30 p.m., and on the 7th is at 3 p.m. And then you have an Oceanside one, so that's going to be down in northern uh, San Diego diocese, and that's on the 8th at 7 p.m. at Mission San Luis Rey Parish. And then in Costa Mesa, which again is in the Diocese of Orange, on the 9th at 7.30, and then in Yorba Linda on the 13th at St. Martin de Porres Parish. So Santa Paula Hawaiian Garden, San Clemente twice, Oceanside, Costa Mesa, Yorba Linda. If anyone wanted to have a chance to get there, there's a location that's near them. Exactly. When we come back, I want to shift gears just a, a little bit because St. Luke Productions has been putting stuff on for people in our diocese and in dioceses around the country for quite some time. And I want people to be a little bit more aware of what your ministry is, Leonardo, because I've had the privilege of getting to know you the last couple of years as you've, as you've been involved with the Diocese of Orange directly. This year, because we've got the opening of the main building for the cathedral, it's been a little complicated. I'm glad you had this opportunity to go out, out there, but I want people to hear your story. So when we come back, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Leonardo. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Leonardo DeFilippis, who is the founder of St. Luke Productions. And we will be right back. Timory here of Trending with Timory. This week, my guest is Father Tim Grumbach, and we talk about the new biopic Motley Crew available on Netflix. I wouldn't recommend watching it. However, it's a reminder of how effeminacy is leaking into our culture and how regaining a better understanding of perseverance is going to help really challenge men and build them up in our culture. Listen to this and much more as you check out Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on Relevant Radio. This is Lee Sweeney, Executive Director of the Shroud Center of Southern California, and I'd like to invite you to an exciting event coming up Saturday, April 13th at 7 p.m. at Christ Cathedral. We'll be hosting an amazing talk by two of the top world's experts on the Shroud, Father Robert Spitzer and Barry Schwartz. This is going to be an exciting event, talking about the Shroud of Turin. For more information about how to attend this event, go to ShroudCenter.com. That's ShroudCenter.com. We hope to see you there. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California. And with me today is Leonardo De Filippis, who is the founder of St. Luke Productions. What is St. Luke Productions, and how did you get involved in this? Well, St. Luke Productions is a, a ministry to bring the Gospels alive live, so that it's a face-to-face experience. And uh, we started with the Gospels, that's why we were called uh, St. Luke Productions, because that was the first Gospel we did. My intention there was to see if, does, do the Gospels, do they have dramatic merit? Can you, we bring them alive to the people? And uh, what I found was they do. And so that, and we did it verbatim, so we were faithful to the, to the script, to the scriptures, and so that's how we, we got launched, and, and then uh, eventually... What happened, uh, then I, I started getting involved with other saints. But to go a little ahead of that, I was in the, mainly doing uh, Shakespeare. I was in Shakespearean festivals. Some of you down there in Southern California know of the old Globe Theater and Balboa Park down, down in San Diego. I, yeah. 
uh, part of that for almost three years. Then I was at Oregon Shakespeare Festival up in the border of California and Oregon for, oh gosh, about two years. And then I was in Colorado Shakespeare. So I was a number of places for many years. And in the midst of all that, I had a conversion back to the faith. I, I grew up Catholic, but I had kind of left the faith like... Uh, it seems like, unfortunately, the young, the majority of young people in this world today. Well, and once once they go to college, that is. Yeah, I've got a daughter who is a freshman in college, and of course, she's taking theater arts as a conservative Catholic, and she's fighting herself. She's not surprised by it, but the general tenor of that program and those kids is very much on the wild side, so to speak. And it's yes, uh, it does. It, the culture of the arts, uh, the way it is, uh, there's a kind of a standard now, you know, and has been for year, uh, decades, of course, is that we're a little more avant-garde and that we uh, try to do our things our own way. We're a little resistant artists to uh, kind of searching out sta- stable truth. Uh, we kind of make the truth up as we go. And it's an, it's an, it's an attractive world. And that's why, meaning you're with attractive people doing performances in very intimate situations, being in a play or being in the movies and all the different things that happen. So it's a, it's a natural place to get yourself led in the wrong direction sometimes or get involved with the wrong people. Yeah, and without going yeah. into, into great detail, since we have a, a wide variety of people listening, including uh, children, I, th- this is a, a place where it, temptation to sin is great. And yes. people in your world, I know just enough about you to know people in your world had difficulties. Yes, and I think that's why I uh, had a conversion, because of those uh, dangers and difficulties. And then once I did that, I started this ministry because of a, a monk at uh, Mount Angel and a, a letter from Mother Teresa. Well, I want to hear about that. What what happened there? Because you were very much into the the regular arts career and acting and all of the trappings that go along with that, including those temptations. And you had a, a reconversion experience. What happened? Well, maybe to make a long story short, there was a girl who I uh, was attracted to and liked, and I'm sure there was many other girls I was attracted to and liked at that time. But uh, I got to know her, and I got it was a little more sensible and you know in the sense of getting to know her respecting her but then i found out she had some major issues you know uh, some some drug issues uh had an abortion uh was wounded uh you know and then i was trying to assist her and i went to social means to try to help her what's out there in society to help her which is of course a lot of things with all these things happening today the opiates and all these things everybody was trying to help each other but to make a long story short, I I realized it it came back to me uh, a actual homosexual actor who has died since from AIDS. He uh, gave me at one time his rosary. So here is a wounded Catholic who had been assaulted when he was younger, and uh, you know there's always a backstory to everyone's story. Yeah. And so by that that beautiful man who was a friend of mine in the theater. He gave me this rosary because he saw something in me that he wanted to give it to me. Well, I wasn't praying it, but when I came to this moment of meeting this girl and, and the hopelessness of trying to help her, I opened a drawer, and in a hidden area, there was this rosary, which I had forgotten about. And it was because of that rosary that I decided to start trying to figure out, okay, well, maybe I can remember a Hail Mary. 
So oh, wow. I said that before I knew it, it was drawing me back to the church. I wasn't going to the church. I wasn't going to confession. I wasn't doing, you know. And so I slowly went back, and then I entered back into the church um, in terms of reinstating myself. I, w- I call myself, as many of us are, collapsed Catholics. A collapsed and Catholic. So, I like that. A, a CC, you know. So I eventually came back, and I started this ministry, and I all of a sudden could see the value of this how it was impacting people who were definitely grassroots. A lot of people were the, were the longest, we're still the longest running uh, Catholic theater group in the country, but I, you know, it shows the, the, the sadness of it all because there's nothing really happening in that particular art form. Well, let's stop. Means of evangelization. Let's stop for a moment because there are a lot of people who have an idea. Hey, I'm coming back to the church. God must be calling me. I, I want to start a ministry. You were actually successful in being able to do that. What happened? Your title is St. Luke Productions. You had the opportunity to present the Gospel of Luke. Is that how this goes forward? That started with the Gospel of Luke, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, before my own peers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> actors. Talk about guts. So it was pretty, you know, <laughs> oh, what's, what's, uh, they called me Leo then. Leo, what, what, what are you doing this Jesus thing for? So, uh, but anyway, that's how I started. I was in that climate, so I was used to adversity. I was fearful to do it because it was a one-person show, huge responsibility. Oh, wow. And uh, and then I launched out into the church world because, um, you know, I could see there was lots of pain and misconceptions and misinformation in the church itself. I mean, the human side of the church. Uh, I'm curious. a confused time. I'm curious, Leonardo. Yeah. Your friends and the people who were, for the first time seeing you put on this production... Were they hostile to it, or were they curious about it, or did they receive it well, or was it more like, I, I don't want to deal with that type thing? What was the general response to you putting on a play that was about St. Luke? Well, I think a lot of them were, in a way, distant, or you know they didn't want to talk too much, or they were a little hostile, uncomfortable, because of the kind of lifestyle they were living. That's sure. basically what it's always about. But I didn't care about that. I just kept persevering. And, and out of that, there was some people, like one you know, man, who asked me to really pray for him because he had been through super hard time. And you know, a couple months later, he, uh, he died in a tragic uh, drunken accident. Oh. He was drunk and killed. I think another person was killed, too. Oh. So it was a very tragic. But I've never stopped praying for him and those others who have died tragically because of the different circumstances through drugs or sex or whatever, uh, you know. So there was an impact, and and, uh, and I kept friends with some of the people, uh, and many of them, of course, are scattered all over the country now. But, uh, but uh, no, it was a great—I've always had a great love and affection because all the people down there in Los Angeles— be, it's, Los Angeles is primarily a Hollywood uh, television movie— Internet type of uh, media type of uh, world rather than theater as much in contrast to New York, say. But uh, uh, so I pray for all those people because I've been around all those people. I've worked with people like that. I've done films too. So we have to hire all kinds of cameramen and grips and everything else, you know. So I have a great affection for all of them and uh, and, uh, and compassion for them, you know, because I know what they've kind of have to go through and the climate they're in. And it's hard to maybe even get work. If you're a quote unquote known as a say a practicing Catholic or a practicing Christian, you know it's interesting because um, in the years since I've known you, I've had several conversations with my daughter who is 
sold on this idea of going through and getting her BFA and and doing theater. And yet she's she makes me look liberal. She's a very conservative, practicing Catholic. And she says that she's she's got um, some people who are friends who are Catholic, a few in the in the field. Most of the people who know her, though, they see her as a as an interesting person who they don't know what to do with. And yet she's still there. They still talk to her. They still work with her. And and she is a steady presence in her life. And that's partly because I think she's heard from people like you that are doing this and they're being successful at being able to have a, theor- a an artistic presence um, amongst these people and really putting forward their art and doing it successfully. There's a whole other group of people in Southern California down at uh, John Paul II University where they're they're doing similar things, but uh, more on a technical side of the house. They they're but they're right. they're talking about making inroads into Hollywood, into the movie the, uh, into the movie industry, uh, and being able to have islands of people who are who are Catholic Christians who take it seriously, and they're they're finding acceptance in the field. And I, well, I think is, people like you must have led the way for that. Well, I think, uh, in a way, what I did when after my conversion and in the theater where you're actually in that environment, just like your daughter and many others, I mean, that's the opportunity to be a witness, to be uh, a, a rock for a lot of people, uh, a light maybe in the darkness. Uh, and Because, you know, what's important, I'm... I was led eventually to do this apostolate, this company, artistic venture, you know, dealing more with what you call in the visual arts, religious imagery compared to profane imagery. But the point is that we need good people like your daughter and others in all these fields, technical, artistic, uh, visual, you know, all the different art forms. It's very important, uh, just as we need them in politics or in business. Uh, you know, or even in the church, we need good people in the church because sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. So uh, this is this is the goal, so that all of every fabric of our society has a becomes uh, transforms into a Christian culture. This and, is uh, we don't have that today. Well, we are certainly in the middle of a. I hate the term culture war, but we're in the middle of a cultural crisis where a number of people are really abandoning an allegiance to God. I don't know that they're abandoning God, but they're abandoning their focus on God in order to embrace really an atheistic vision of what they should be doing in the world. And that has led to so much tragedy and so much trauma in in the way that they engage the world, much like what you described is, is present in your industry. And yet we have people like you who are bringing... God very clearly into these fields and saying, wait a minute, the art is the art. Now let's, if we refocus it back on God, not only are we relevant to all of you who are non-Christian, we bring another aspect to it that gives it a, a meaning of hope that really is different from what everyone else is doing. I mean, that's the other part of this that we haven't really talked about. What you do is not only bring out plays that entertain people, you're bringing hope in a very gospel-like setting. Yeah, and I think, you know, like what Dostoevsky says, what is it to transform the world through beauty and truth? I, many people have said that, uh, John Paul and others, Benedict, and 
you know, Pope Benedict. But I mean, that's that whole thing that attracts people to beauty, to something that's truth, something that is long lasting, and uh, you know, staples, you know, of 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 a society. Be it a marriage, be it family, be it the cherishing of children, of a respecting of women, uh, respecting of men, respecting of you know all the the different avenues of society to make you know have a great civil life. And I think these saints that we do, and in the case of Saint Faustina, you're seeing someone who is pouring herself out in concern for every single soul. So those people who are listening, if they're hurting, if they're wounded, if they're broken, they've been hurt in some way or, you know, assaulted or anything by the eyes or physically, she's a great saint to help heal those wounds. When we come back, I want to not only get back into her life, but I want to hear what you've produced in the past. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we'll be right back. I'm here with co-owner of Wahoo's Fish Taco, Wing Lamb, and Father Scott Borgman, Judicial Vicar of the Diocese of Orange. Father Scott, you have a few thoughts about Wahoo's. Well, I think Wahoo's Fish Tacos has effectively ruined Lent for everyone because it's so great. I think Mark Twain said it well when he said, Do not tell fish stories where the people know you, but particularly don't tell them where they know the fish. (laughs) Go to wahoos.com for the location nearest you. Thank you, Father. Friends, this is Deacon Steve Greco on Empowered by the Spirit, and we have a very special message and a very exciting event coming up. A Divine Mercy Conference, Saturday, April 13th from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Santiago de Capistela Parish Hall, located at 21682 Lake Forest Drive in Lake Forest, California. This event is going to be transformative. I will be speaking along with Father Ed Broom, Father Jacob, Kathleen Beckman, Donna Lee, Annette Hills. It'll be an absolutely amazing event to teach us more about how much God loves us through his mercy. For more information, contact Katie at spiritfulhearts.org. That's K-A-T-I-E at spiritfulhearts.org or call at 949-514-5028. God bless you all. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you from the beautiful campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. And talking with me, speaking about Catholic faith being made crystal clear, is Leonardo de Filippis, who is in charge of St. Luke Productions and puts on, I hate to even call them plays, but they are. They're, they're really a, an encounter. This performance is an engagement where you come face to face with a saint and you engage and encounter their life. In this case, this Lenten series, Southern California has the opportunity to see the story of Faustina and it's called Faustina Messenger of Divine Mercy. And St. Luke Productions is putting that on April 3rd through April 13th at multiple locations throughout Southern California. Now, normally these are put on here at Christ Cathedral, but this time they're being put on throughout Southern California, all the way up into northern uh, Santa Paula, up in northern section, the northern section of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, 
down to Costa Mesa and Oceanside and Yorba Linda, San Clemente, uh, and Hawaiian Gardens. So we'll come back and we'll tell people how to get a hold of that information again. But when we were talking, Leonardo, in the last section about your life, you mentioned that you started off doing St. Luke and you did that play about the gospel of St. Luke. You said it was a verbatim of, of the gospel. But you didn't stop there, obviously. You just named your company after that. Uh, what did you do after that? What were the what were the chief highlights of what St. Luke Productions put forward? Well, what we what we did is uh, I opened it up with the first six chapters of Luke, which we call the Gospel of Peace, and we did that uh, ends with the Beatitudes, a beautiful uh, reflection, and then we did the Passion according to Luke. Uh, so we had two two shows on the Gospel of Luke. So it was a great thing that we've done at the Free Theater and and other places around the country for many many years, for decades actually. So we did that, and then I I went on uh, to do uh, the St. Francis of Assisi for the 800th anniversary of his uh, birth, which is a huge celebration around the the world. But we were the only show at the time on St. Francis going around the country. Now, was that the I one did, that I saw as well as a broadcast on EWTN? Yeah, I was on EWTN. Uh, that was in the days when I got to know Mother Angelica, et cetera. That's a whole other history. Yeah. But uh, then we did the Gospel of John, uh, the entire Gospel, when John Paul II wanted the two lungs of the Church to come together, the East and the West. So I did that because of him. And then we did the Song of Songs, which was, we used to do that for marriage encounters, for cloistered nuns, uh, monasteries, trappists. We did all kinds of stuff with that. And then we, then I did the Carmelites got a hold of me and had me do uh, <laughs> the John of the Cross. I had imagined. Oh, there you go. Nuns, oh, wow. Cloistered nuns getting me to do John of the Cross for the 400th anniversary of his death. And so that was an incredible experience. Uh, I would have loved to have seen that because that one is uh, it's an amazing. Most people have no clue who John of the Cross is. Yeah, if you just uh, read his poetry, you kind of look at it. Oh my goodness, that, that almost sounds erotic. But it's yes. Well, <laughs> it's, if you read his books and not, there's very few listeners who have read all of his works. But I had to do that when I put the show together. So. It was uh, amazing, but we even went to not only all over the United States, but we went to Canada, but we also went to England, Ireland, and the island of Malta. Well, and a lot of people don't realize that when John Paul did his first doctorate, that was his dissertation was on John of the Cross. Exactly. Yeah. That's how we learned Spanish. He, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, he learned it fluently yeah. so he could... Uh, yeah, so he, he wanted to do in the original. Of course, he learned a lot of languages sure. since, since that, but... And then we went on to do the St. Maximilian Kolbe. Um, oh. I was asked to do that. I didn't know hardly anything about him. And that has been probably one of the biggest shows we've done in Who, our whole history. Did you play Maximilian or did you have someone else do it? I played Maximilian, yeah. So uh, that I, had to be I transformative. Play a lot of characters in that. It, it, it's, a, it's a true, that particular show is a true, true to force. It's a, where I switch characters con- con- constantly in the show. Different voice, different posture, everything. So um, it's it's quite a challenge for an actor to do. And and then we went on to, uh, and that was great because we opened that at World Youth Day in Denver. And oh wow! It, uh, <laughs> was a huge, you know, before uh, I don't know twenty five hundred or three thousand people in a theater there. So yeah. it was a uh, uh, quite a opening uh, to do a show. Yeah. And, uh, 
And then that that one particular one has had a lot of significance too because we, you know, I have performed in because I've done it for so long. Uh, you know, I performed for at that time the actual survivors in Auschwitz who who were with Maximilian Kolbe yeah. in the lineup. I was going to ask and, you uh, if you've had anybody that's encountered your performances, Maximilian, come up to you and talk about their experiences because he's, of course, a oh, recent saint. Tons. I've been. I've talked to so many people from gulags, from uh, Nazi prisons. Uh, you know, captured soldiers, Vietnam, Korea. Uh, you know, um, all the different women and children that were the Polish that were sent to, they were captured by the communists and sent to Siberia after the, you know, the Allied allies came in and, uh, you know, took over Germany. But and that's why we have East, we have East Germany. But it, it was an incredible experience to meet real things, you know. And many of you, maybe your father, my father was a war veteran, and and so they they're very aware of all these things. Then I went on to do Saint Therese. And, uh, no, I don't think you played St. Therese, though. No, I did. You know, I just uh, took these pills and it made me really small and look like a nun. Be careful so, these but, days. Uh, I know, you got to be careful what you eat. But, uh, but anyway, Therese was uh, incredible. I always had a devotion to her. My wife has a huge devotion to her, and she is amazing. And so we did that. I've had seven different actresses play that role. Wow. And then eventually we did a movie on it. Uh, we were the first Catholic organization uh, to do a movie all by donations. So, uh, and got in the movie theaters. It's a miracle that even happened, but that was all in God's time and God's grace. So I remember uh, that. I even got a copy of that before I ever knew you, St. Therese, when it first came out. Yeah, it was such I, a big I, thing. That, and, and, and then for years, for 15 years, we ran an artist retreat in Mount Angel Abbey in Oregon. Uh, we did that for 15 years, uh, you know, which was a long time to do it. That is. Gather, uh, you know, to do any kind of conference and retreat. But And then I went on to do St. John Vianney for the Year of the Priest, uh, which was an amazing experience because he's a powerful saint. I even performed for one of his relatives oh. uh, that talk about being current on his brother's side. Uh, so I was performing actually for a couple of relatives. Wow. And, uh, so it's, it's a, you know, it's amazing to think, you know, people, they're the bloodline from his mother and father. Sure does. Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, that was amazing. And then, of course, the more, a more recent one, before we talk about the one we're going to do, uh, is Father Tolton. Uh, now that was, that was a huge, huge, uh, undertaking. That was interesting for me for a whole different reason. Uh, the American cultural religious divide after the Civil War was so acute, and here we had a, a former slave who was sent off to become a priest. What a story. Right. And people don't realize how the Catholic Church, for all of its problems, still stepped into the breach and has a tendency to do this. There's For all of the bad people we have in the church, we're out, they're outnumbered tremendously by all these good people. And here you had this former slave who wants to go back to his hometown to serve. I mean, right. What a story. What a story. It's an amazing story, and that's been performing all over the country, uh, bringing, you know, great healing to black and white audiences and mixed. So I'm very proud of that show. It, it's uh, it's doing a tremendous good, and it's, <laughs> it's needed so much. I mean, you look at all the different uh, challenges in Chicago and other places. They need Father Tolton. 
And, uh, yeah. you know, and that could be true. And it's going to be going to Detroit. So I'm really excited. And we want it definitely to come down into, uh, you know, into all the parishes and, and into the theaters down there in, in Los Angeles and Orange County, uh, because there's such a need for there too. You know, yeah, this is, Northern California. this is one that's near and dear to my heart, partly because within the religious studies that I do work with at the college level, um, the the wounds and the angers and oh desires for reparations and retributions none of that is going to solve whatever racial divides we have in our country only yeah. the mercy of god is going to solve that and a story yeah. like tolton is is one of those stories that needs to be it needs to become center those stories into our hearts and minds as catholics in the United right States. and he's he's one of the more significant not just the most, one of the most significant black figures in the history of the United States, and people don't really realize it, society, yeah. but maybe one of the most important priests in the history of the United States. Yeah. And so uh, it's it's a and he's up for uh, saint. You know, he's going on the the road to sainthood. And then you you're doing one on, or you did one on Augustine. How did that one go? That one there, the Confessions of Augustine, is a beautiful show. It's one of our favorite shows. One of, it's a very difficult show. It's probably my most difficult to do. And uh, but it, the story, imagine the same thing again. Current, you know, you have a bishop. Imagine a bishop today telling his sins, his sexual sins, his sexual addictions. Well, it started with something uh, about stealing pears, as I recall. Yeah, it starts with pears. <laughs> it always starts with pears. It always starts with stealing a little thing when you're a kid. And yeah. it leads to big, big things. So uh, it's the same old story from time to eternity. So uh, I've done that, and I'll be performing that myself very soon. Oh, good. And then, uh, Where are you going to be putting that one on? Is that somewhere in, that in the West Coast? In, uh, Portland Archdiocese up here in, in uh, Oregon, okay. north of you. Okay, well, so a little far for us to drive. You have to get the people down there to clamor to uh, see St. Augustine, because uh, he's... Uh, you know, it's an amazing, uh, it's a great piece of literature. It's like listening to Shakespeare, only it's much, much deeper. <laughs> well, I would agree, but then again, that's my field. But that's okay. We're coming up close to another break, and before we get there, I just want to pause for a moment and, and look back at what you've just shared with us. All of these shows are done with either one person or a very small number of people who are doing the talent, who are doing the acting. And it's meant to be a way to bring an intimacy to the audiences. So you're not only bringing uh, a show and entertainment, but you're also allowing a peek into the heart and soul of what the actor is conveying that the person really was thinking and feeling and encountering in their soul. And that we see over and over and over again from each one of these as you were going forward, whether it was St. Luke or St. John or if we're talking about... Maximilian Kolbe, or if we're talking about Father Tolton, you're able to be up close and personal with these actors, and you're able to experience what they're feeling in depth. It's really an encounter, not just a performance. Yes, it really is. And I agree with you because it is that face-to-face experience that most people never get to have. All right. When we come back, uh, Leonardo, I want to go a little more into Sister Faustina and the upcoming production on Sister on Faustina, Messenger of Divine Mercy, coming to a religious center near you. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. 
The passing of a loved one is a difficult and often sorrowful step in life's journey. The helpful and supportive staff at the Cathedral Memorial Garden Cemetery, located on the 34-acre iconic Christ Cathedral campus, are here to assist you and your family through this transition, offering a central location, serene garden-like grounds, majestic fountains, and a dramatic statuary, all set within the beautiful Christ Cathedral campus. For more information, please visit memorialgardens.christcathedralcalifornia.org or contact 714-489-6102. I'm with Wing Lamb, co-owner of Wahoo's Fish Taco, and Father Scott Borgman, Judicial Vicar of the Diocese of Orange. And uh, Father, I understand you have some insight on Wahoo's. Well, thanks, Mike. I just thought about how much Jesus loved fish. We were always seeing him around the Sea of Galilee with his closest followers. So I think, you know, if it was Lent and it was today and Jesus were here, he'd be at Wahoo's Fish Tacos. (laughs) Locations all over the place. Go to wahoos.com for the location nearest you. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. And before I go any further, I want to make sure I've paused for a moment. Leonardo de Filippis, I want to say with all my heart, thank you so much for not only being on here sharing with us what you do, but for doing what you do. And the Diocese of Orange, I know, is very supportive of what you do, and we're so glad that you're doing it. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, well, thank you, and I just want everyone to know out there I love Orange County. I, I really uh, invested in the diocese in terms of concern and care uh, for the spiritual needs of everyone down there. All right. We have coming up then this presentation on Faustina, Messenger of Divine Mercy. Sister Faustina, St. Faustina is a young nun in pre-World War II Poland just before the war and has been having visions of God and visions of of uh, Jesus, and she's been told to write these down in a journal. And you've done a story on this. So tell us a little bit, how does this go? What's the plot line here? Well, the plot line is you're going to see um, her starting from the beginning of her life, telling the story all the way to the end. But what you're going to see is Jesus will appear to her as it really happened, which is amazing for your listeners and all of us to understand and comprehend, he comes to her in the form of his passion. So he might appear uh, in crucified form, or he might appear carrying a cross, or he might appear, you know, uh, being scourged uh, at the pillar, or or, uh, all the different formats of the passion that he's fallen, you know, and, and this is powerful because it shows his agony. But at the same time, why, you know, why he died for us, but at the same time you'll see him in his glory, uh, he'll appear to her. You'll see the rays of, uh, of the, the red and the, the pale, the white, coming out of his body, the, the, the blood and the water, so to speak, uh, which is the great image of divine mercy. So they have these, uh, if you were to say, incredible experiences she has. But in the, in the midst of all this, you have sisters in his own community that don't believe her, that are against her, uh, you know, Mother Superior trying to, to, to help her, you're going to have a, 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 a you know, blessed Zapachko, the, the the father, the confessor of her, who is a little skeptical too in the beginning, but then eventually is won over by seeing that this is actually true, and so it's a it's a real battle. The devil, of course, is a significant uh, character in this because he's trying to stop uh, the mercy to happen because it's the wow. one thing that the devil hurts. The, the greatest attribute of God, and you'll know this from. Thomas Aquinas, is mercy, God's mercy. And the greatest thing the devil hates more than anything is mercy. 
and so uh, that's what this story is really about. And you really think about it, you know, I, who was I talking to a bishop the other day, you know, about, you know, really the, the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? Salvation. Jesus is a, the Savior. He was born to be the Savior. We sing that at Christmas time and all those things. But he was, why, what is the Savior? Well, he's got a sacrifice. He's got to die. And in the in the play itself, you'll hear the words that come right from the diary. It says, nothing can happen without sacrifice, Jesus says. And he's not just saying, you know, sacrifice to do this radio station or to do our work or raise our children. It's the sacrifice of laying down our lives like Christ for others, you know, figuratively or physically. So it's an incredible story. And it'll also have, as I mentioned earlier in one of the, our discussions, about two modern elements of a woman who is going through the, basically, if you want to say it, the pressures of our sexual revolution today. I mean, everything is sexualized. Most people, why do they leave the church? Well, they leave because of sin. But what's the one sin that generally makes people not want to go back to church? It's something to do with those personal moral issues that you get involved in, those secret things that happen. And so, and they affect all. You know, all the powerful, all the prideful things, it always leads a lot of times to the same uh, action. So we have this great story uh, of our times, if you were to say, and this would relate so much to what's happening in our culture and in California, say, to be really relevant, and then how God can bring mercy to that person. And the same with a, a dying man, many people there, or, or the way we deal with health care today, how we respect life. You know, now we were, were doing infanticide and killing children and killing the elderly and who, who we decide who lives and dies, uh, if they're useful or not in our society, even in America today. And so this brings about a whole new dignity to the human person. And, and in fact, it's, so it's a glorious story. And many people, believe it or not, it's been those who've uh, seen it uh, and experienced it in a deep way and received it, have, it's been healing to them because they have all those wounds from the past. Wow. So when you have a woman come up, you know, they're in their six, they're in their sixties now and they said, yes, I did it. I, I had an abortion. I killed my child. And the wounds, everyone, they may seem tough, like in Planned Parenthood, but believe me, those things are just facade. They are hurting immensely and will hurt when they get older and wake up. So it takes a while to heal wounds, uh, any kind of assault of any sort. Uh, so it's a powerful story, but it's a story of glory. It's a story of uh, Christ reaching out to the worst sinner, the person who is really on the edge. You know, like the you look at the bad thief and the good thief. That good thief finally turns around and says, Jesus, you know, ask forgiveness, really. And Jesus forgives him. This day you will be with me in paradise. And I love, the one thing maybe I love most about Faustina, they're one of her great lines, we only have this present moment here on earth. But we are eternal. We're in eternal beings. And so that's why we can help right now others, as Jesus did. That's our example. If we're called Christian, what is a Christian? We're supposed to do what Christ did, think of others, not just ourselves. Wow. And to bring them along into salvation. This is going to play, and again, uh, it's in Santa Paula at St. Sebastian Catholic Church on the 3rd 
Hawaiian Garden, St. Peter Chanel Parish on the 4th, San Clemente, the Our Lady of Fatima Church on the 6th and 7th, Oceanside and Mission San Luis Rey Parish on the 8th, Costa Mesa on the 9th at St. John the Baptist Parish, and Yorba Linda on the 13th at St. Martin de Porres Parish. So if they want information on this, I have a website here that says www.faustinadrama.com, and Faustina is spelled F-A-U-S-T-I-N-A, and then drama is all one word, faustinadrama.com. They can also go to St. Luke Productions, though, can't they? Yes, it might be easier for all of you to just go to St. for the spelling, just St. Luke Productions, stlukeproductions.com. Google finds everything. And just go to calendar, you know, go over our website, but you can find out all the times, places, uh, the ticket prices, uh, free will offerings, whatever they're doing in different uh, uh, venues. But uh, please, yeah, please try to come because this is a movement that hopefully, well, I'm hoping it will stir Southern California so that um, not only the next time we come back, it can grow, it can prosper, so that more and more people, and you, the listeners out there, can make that happen. You can start filling these places and bringing it to your community also and to really change the hearts and minds, because, you know, nothing's impossible with God. And uh, that we have to not give up, because I pray that California will rise up for Christ. Well, each one, truly of, will. each one of these locations has some very powerful Catholics associated with them. I, I, I know Santa Paula, for example, is right near Thomas Aquinas College, but you've exactly. got all these other areas. St. Peter Chanel Parish, I know a number of very good Catholics that are there. All of these are going to have people spreading the word. But for anybody else that's interested, they can go to St. Luke Productions, and they can find out about this wonderful program. the the main um, The main performer is Jennifer Pagano. This must have been a tremendous. It must have had a tremendous impact on her life. I would assume. Oh, it's it's changing her life. It's changing her life. I mean, I, I've noticed that with each uh, actor or actress who's ever played any of these saint roles, it, it's it's changed their life, and uh, and they go on to do uh, you know many great things and, and it's for her she's never had an opportunity like this she's from uh the east coast and so um you know she's a a wonderful actress wonderful person and i think you all of you will really enjoy her and pray for her as she prepares to come to california and to to really give her heart to this to this mission artistically and spiritually uh because i i think this is a, a great moment for her and and, you know, what an opportunity for an actress to do, you know, have a role that really affects people, not in the negative, but in the incredible, not just inspirational, but that actually literally touches their souls to where they're moved to tears within inside of them. And it's amazing. So I'm, I'm just, you know, God is good. All the time. And I, again, would like to have everyone pray for Jennifer Pagano that her acting her embrace of this role would not only be transformative to her, but to all the people who come before her in the theaters, in these centers, in these in these different places of Catholic worship. Leonardo, I want to thank you again for coming on. I'm going to go ahead, and if you don't mind, and ask you to end us in a brief word of prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, O divine mercy, we ask 
that your mercy flow out upon each and every one of the people of California, all those here listening and all those beyond, especially those who do not believe in Christ and in his mercy. We pray that that all of us may come to know him in a deep, deep and rich way so that in this case, St. Faustina can be an instrument of his mercy and his hope and to great, through great humility be able to serve each and every one of you as she comes down there. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And once again, thank you, Leonardo. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And if you would like to share this with somebody else, you can direct them to our website and go to our podcasts at occatholic.com. And you can find the OC Catholic Radio Show, and this will be on there shortly. Once again, I want to thank Leonardo for being on from St. Louis Productions. You've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will see you again next week. If you have never experienced the beauty of the Sistine Chapel, now is your opportunity. From April 13th through the end of the year, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel Masterpiece will be on exhibition in the Cultural Center on Christ Cathedral Campus, brought to life using a special photographic technique that reproduces the look and feel of the original paintings. You will be given a chance to engage with the artwork in ways that were never before possible. For the first time ever, you can explore the artwork at your own pace and admire the art from a distance that is physically impossible to achieve in the actual Sistine Chapel. This is an extraordinary opportunity to gain a new perspective on some of the most famous artwork in history. It also provides an incredible chance for inspiration as well as reflection on the purpose and meaning of the work. For more information about this unique exhibit and to purchase your tickets, visit SistineExhibit.com. Student and group ticket pricing is available. Visit SistineExhibit.com. That's SistineExhibit.com. And awaken your curiosity to the innovative and unique interpretation of Michelangelo's timeless masterpiece. Friends, this is Deacon Steve Greco on Empowered by the Spirit, and we have a very special message and a very exciting event coming up. A Divine Mercy Conference, Saturday, April 13th from 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. at Santiago de Capistela Parish Hall, located at 21682 Lake Forest Drive in Lake Forest, California. This event is going to be transformative. I will be speaking along with Father Ed Broom, Father Jacob, Kathleen Beckman, Donna Lee, Annette Hills. It'll be an absolutely amazing event to teach us more about how much God loves us through his mercy. For more information, contact Katie at spiritfulhearts.org. That's K-A-T-I-E at spiritfulhearts.org or call at 949-514-5028. God bless you all. Thank you.
Timory here of Trending with Timory. This week, my guest is Father Tim Grumbach, and we talk about the new biopic Motley Crew available on Netflix. I wouldn't recommend watching it. However, it's a reminder of how effeminacy is leaking into our culture and how regaining a better understanding of perseverance is going to help really challenge men and build them up in our culture. Listen to this and much more as you check out Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific here on Relevant Radio. Thank you.